Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Well, the idea of change is something that really draws our attention, wouldn't you say? Who likes the idea of change? It sounds good, doesn't it? The idea of change. In fact, the idea of change is something that can unify people and it actually unifies the most unlikely of people if you look at elections or if you look at communities or if you look at football um, teams and all that. You see, all these people come together, they're unified and sometimes they get more unified because they wouldn't see something change um, in their life. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbour and just tell them this, you need to change. Just turn to your neighbour, especially if it's your spouse. You need to change. You need to change. Did anyone, feel, did anyone feel quite good about that, saying that to someone else? Hey, how about this? How about this? How, how about this? This is, this is your opportunity. How about you, you, like, you, you like talk to your pastor and point your finger and say, you need to change on the count of three. One, two, three. Did anyone feel good about that? Yeah? Colin, you felt a little bit too good about that. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> I bet you did feel good, Dave. You really need to change. I noticed that my wife isn't here, so it doesn't... There you go. That was her one opportunity. <laughs> but, um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I actually do need to change. And you know what? So do you. You need to change. And we're going to talk a little bit about change today and, and how it is possible and why it is possible. But you need to change. I need to change. But there's also some other guy who needs to change. And we're going to use this character from this movie. I hope you've seen it. But Jacinta, why don't you press play and let's look at this first clip. Well, in a happy, picturesque, perfect suburban neighbourhood surrounded by white picket fences and Flowering rose gardens sits a black house with dead lawn. Unbeknownst to the neighbours, hidden beneath this home is a vast secret hideout. Surrounded by a small army of minions, we discover Gru, who's planning the biggest heist in the history of the world. He's going to steal the moon. That's right, the moon. Gru delights in all things wicked and evil. He's armed with his arsenal of shrink rays or freeze rays and battle-ready vehicles for land and air. He vanquishes all who stand in his way. And if you watch the movie, all this changes when he encounters the immense will of three little orphan girls who look at him and see something else that no one else could see, a potential dad. Has anyone watched that movie before? Despicable Me. It's a good movie. I think it's a great movie. It's a good movie that kind of grabs at my heart because I think I'm like a lot of people. I get really um, intrigued with the idea of transformations. I get really intrigued with the idea of change. In fact, some of our most favorite television shows that Andrew and I sit and watch are Masters of Flip. Does anyone watch Masters of Flip? I love Masters. Like those shows of flipping, you take like this, this thing that's falling apart and they spend some money and they do these things. You know, the worst thing about shows like that, obviously, is because they make me think I can do that. And I can't. I can't do that. So Masters of Flip, The Biggest Loser, anyone like that? I used to love watching The Biggest Loser, but making sure I had like a, bat, a thing of Tim Tams and like ice cream and watch them work hard while I eat stuff. The Block, The Block's a favourite of ours as well, and we're looking forward to The Block coming up. And, and like, I look at those shows and, and I'm intrigued and I always think, wow, isn't it amazing how you can look at this thing that's just an absolute disaster, it's an absolute mess, and, and, and for me, I kind of think, nah, just blow it up. 
just blow it up, start again. It's absolutely useless. It's, it's just like, let it go. Nothing is good of that. Yet, there are some people who can look at something absolutely awful and see something beautiful in it. And not only that, they actually have the skill set to actually create something from what they see. Isn't it amazing that there are some people like that? Is anyone like that in this church? Like you can actually see something beautiful and something awful. I wish I could do that. And you know what? I watch these television shows, not for the process. The thing which I really love is at the end of the shows, they show you the pictures of before and after. Does anyone love those bits? The before and after. This is what this house looked like before. This is what it looks like now. This is what this person kind of looked like before. This is what this person looks like now. And I think that if nothing else, these television shows that seem to have gripped us as a society, they inform us and they remind us that transformation actually is possible. In fact, change and transformation can happen. And I think sometimes we can look at certain things, like we look at a house or we can, we, we, we can look at like... Um, getting your body fit, or, or, or we can um, look at things like this and we can think, you know what, oh, well, surely you can change your house, but how about a person? Is transformation actually possible in your life? Is transformation actually possible in my life? I mean, do people really change? Can a leopard really change its spots? Or are we all just walking around as like Popeye saying, I am what I am, you know? Like get a can of spinach and, and say, I can't change. This is who I am. You're just going to have to deal with it. This is who I am. Well, the first biblical implication that I want to draw out of this movie is actually a very simple one, yet it's a very blunt one. And it's simply this. Every single one of us are grew. Your grew and I'm grew. And you know, I understand that most of us don't have a pointy nose. I mean, my nose is really flat. And we don't have a funny accent, though, mind you, most the rest of the world thinks we do have a funny accent. And we may not be able to, we may not say or do things as demonstrably as, um, as grew, but how many of you have been really impatient in the back of the line and actually wish you had a freeze ray? And you can go, freeze ray! Yep, I've been there. How many people get annoyed with the neighbours or those we call neighbours around us thinking, man, you are just really ticking me off right now, you know? Anyone got a barking dog next door and you think, man, there are little bombs all over the garden? <laughs> Has anyone been really frustrated when our convenience is jeopardised or even trampled in on someone else? You see, what I think makes this movie really intriguing and captivating to the point where it's actually allowed it to make millions and millions of dollars and sequels and also spin-offs that have come from it. It's not just the humor. It's not just the clever animation. It's not just the, 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 the good casting. It's, it's that we're intrigued with the idea and the setup that this odd-looking dark fellow whose name is Gru, who is evil in every single sense of the word, that somehow it's set up to actually make us anticipate and expect that this guy's going to change. And we look at that and we say, how in the world is this guy going to change? Is it possible for this? What could possibly happen in this guy's life for him to change? But you know what? What if people actually can change? What if like you're sitting over there and, and, and you've been married for like 20, 30 years and you thought to yourself, you know what? Oh, this is just who I am. You, you know, just, what if you actually could change? What if you actually could? In fact, what if there was something inside your DNA, something which is inside of you, that not only would suggest that you can change, but would actually say, you know what, you should be changing. That the person you are today should be completely different to the person you were five years ago. 
That in fact, looking back, you should look at yourself and say, you know what, I am an updated version. This is Dave Ryder version 37 right here. You know, you're glad you didn't see Dave Ryder version 21 because he was nothing. But uh, there's, there's improvement, there's, there's stuff that's happening. Well, if we actually go back to the beginning, if we go back to the Genesis, if we actually go back to what God says about us and how we have been created, we would see that there are some beautiful, amazing facets of humanity that actually are the bedrock of um, community, a bedrock of relationships, the bedrock of who we are, but also provide the platform upon which we can launch out and we can and we should and we will change and we would um, be transformed. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. For most of today, so if you have your Bibles, why don't you crack that open? If you have it on your phone, that's okay. You can read your Bible on your phone. Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 26 and 27. And I realize that this is a very familiar passage. um, But just because it's familiar, let us not disengage. Let us be engaged. So we read from verse 26, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock of, and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. At the very beginning, in fact, it only takes 26 verses really, for God to actually communicate and explain and to inform us as humans walking around this earth that we are actually made uniquely. There is something distinctly different about how you are made and who I am made compared to the rest of this earth. And you know what? I love my beautiful, big-headed, golden retriever named Oscar Ryder. He is gorgeous. He is pretty. He is amazing. And he's got great value and all that. But there is something distinctly different between him and me. And the thing that's distinctly different between me and the rest of creation is that I am and you are made in the image of God. In the image of God. The theological word would be imago Dei. We are made. And, and this is what it actually says, that, 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 that we as Christians, we are actually vehemently opposed to any kind of racism or sexism or anything like that um, because of this fact. I'm an Indian, so in India there's a caste system, right? Now, that's not great, is it? That people are just, you could be there and you could be there, you're up there and all that. I've actually even realized that in different cultures um, or, or different ethnic groups, there actually can be racism even in that. We believe that the, the value of a man and female are of equal value, don't we? No one does, don't we? Just because your past is chocolate color doesn't mean he's of less value or greater value than anyone else here. Is that right? Because each and every one of us are made in the image of God. And here's the deal. Every single one of us are a little bit twisted, aren't we? Anyone twisted here? Yep. Anyone just a little bit odd over here? Yeah, we're all a little bit twisted, a little bit. You know, it actually doesn't matter how twisted or how, how kind of marred or, 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 or how even kind of broken you may think that you are or how broken you may think that I am. That does not take away the fact that it doesn't matter how marred or how broken or how fractured, you bear the image of God. 
And there is something about you that actually reflects, that demonstrates and expresses something of our God. So when I go and have a look at and like sort of say, g'day to Cassie, and she's smiling lovely to me right now, I can actually see what a beautiful young lady. She's amazing. What an amazing future you have. And there's something of this young woman that actually tells me about how good God is and how great God is and how wonderful God is. And it doesn't matter who you are on the face of the earth. We should have the ability to actually see that in every single person. Imago Day takes 26 verses. 26. 26 verses. This guy grew. He's twisted, isn't he? I mean, who in their right mind would just like seriously threaten to kill a neighbor's dog? There's some of you right there. <laughs> We've got a twisted church right here. <laughs> He's broken. You know what? He is not living nor functioning the way that God has designed him. And for that reason, he has need in his life. And we know he has need in his life. That's the beautiful thing about like script writing and movies and all these kind of things. We can actually look at someone on the screen and we can say, oh man, that guy's all busted up. That, something needs to happen in that guy's life. Otherwise, this is not going to end well. Imagine if we were able to have that perception and view of every single person that we came in contact with. That if someone came up to us like, man, that boy, he's busted up. Man, that, that guy just swore at me. Can you believe that? That guy was like pointing to heaven using his middle finger towards me, and I don't even know what he was thinking about. Like, could you imagine if we were able to look at every single person and actually see the narrative? We were able to actually drill down and say, you may be hating on me right now, but I know you made the image of God. And even though right now you're cursing me, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. I know it's not the language that's coming out of your mouth right now. Right? I know it's not the actions I see right now, but there is something that I'm able to see. There is something about you that's telling me that God is awesome. God loves you. There is something about you that's telling me about God. We're made in the image of God. See, you're grew, and I'm grew. We're all twisted. We all sin. Oh, didn't you know that? Oh, let me just inform you. Yeah, you do sin in your life, and I do sin in my life, but thank God for the Holy Spirit who's actually perfecting us and transforming us. At the foot of the cross, the ground is level. We're all equal before God. Yeah? So that's the first thing we need to know in relationships. And sometimes it's easier to see that in a stranger than it is to see that in a person He's in the next room, isn't it? Sometimes it's easier to have compassion for someone overseas than it is for someone who you're in the kitchen with. But in families, in neighborhoods, in workplaces, every single person who you and I interact with, every single person we see, they are grouped. And we agree because they are made in the image of God. And because they are made in the image of God, guess what? There is something sacred about that. There is something sacred about it. And if we could actually see the world like that, man, that would change some things, wouldn't it? But in this movie, we're kind of given a bit of a taste that something needs to change in this guy's life. And... If you never watched a trailer to it, you'd be kind of wondering what is going to happen for this guy 
to change. And the thing that causes Gru to change as this movie goes on is actually something that is so inconvenient. And if you are writing notes, I, I want you just to write down this thought. Celebrate inconvenience. To celebrate inconvenience. Because this is what happens. Gru is going on. He's loving life. He's got these little minions. He's going to go take on the world. He's on this quest to be the most evil person on the face of earth, the supervillain of all supervillains. And then all of a sudden, these three little girls who are orphaned, they come into his life. They come into his life. And you know what? He had an agenda for them. He had a purpose for them. And it didn't really quite work out. But, but Gru, he starts getting frustrated with these three little girls. He starts getting so annoyed. He gets getting angry with them to the point that in the movie, he comes to a point where he's about to just ditch them. Ditch them and go. He's about to leave them. They're too inconvenient. They're too troublesome. Having three other people in his little world is becoming a little bit too hard. And he wants to give them the boot up until... This one moment in this one scene, which we're going to have a look at right now. That is a good scene. I like that scene. You're still in Genesis um, 1, verse 26a. I want us to just focus in on one word. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. That word, us. We're made in the image of God, and God says, let us, let us. The thing I love about Scripture is that if we look deeply enough into it, or if we read it and we contemplate it, it really does tell us the way that we're supposed to live. God actually does communicate to us some really profound things, and some things that are rather inconvenient, but nevertheless, they are true. And what God says here is that, there is something about who God is and being made in the image of who God is that informs us as to how we are to live. And the thing that informs us is this idea of community. Community. Of not being isolated, but actually doing life together. That there is something about when we do life together, we are shaped. When we do life together, we are formed. When we do life together, it says something about who God is. You know, Genesis 1 verse 1 says, in the beginning, God. Very interesting, that word God that's put there. In the beginning, Elohim. Elohim. There are many names for God. It doesn't start with in the beginning, Yahweh, which is a covenantal name for God talks about relationship with his chosen people. It says, in the beginning, Elohim. And that word Elohim speaks in the very first verse of Scripture about this kind of this plural idea about God. It actually informs us right at the beginning that there is something unique about God. It speaks to us about the Trinity of God. And I understand that the Trinity is something that's very mysterious, let me tell you, it's very mysterious, something that we struggle to get our heads around. But there's something about the Trinity of God that informs us as to how we are to live in this world. And the Trinity of God, if you're going to break it down, is that God is one being and God is three persons. One being, three persons. Think of it a little bit like this. It's going to mess with your head, so deal with that. But I am one being, one person. What I am is a human being. Who I am is David Andrew Ryder, right? One being, one person. 
God, what is it? He's one being. He's God. Who is God? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity. One being, three persons. You and I, one being, one person. Okay? So for all of eternity, God has been, and there has been this sacrificial love, this community that has always existed between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for all of eternity. Think about this idea, that this idea of sacrificial love has existed long before you were a twinkle in your mom and dad's eye, long before this universe was even created, long before the foundation of this world, before anything, this sacrificial love existed. That's why scripture says God is love. It's happened, it's existed for all of eternity. And what happens is that it informs us that we're made in the image of God and God has community and God has love. It informs us that there is something of our makeup that we are not designed to live by ourselves. In fact, if you live by yourself, if you're isolated, some people actually use that as torture, don't they? That's a way to torture a person, isolate them, chuck them away. If you live as isolated, you become a little bit twisted. You become a little bit like grew. Desires and all that get a little bit perverted. There is something about actually coming together and being in community that actually causes us to reshape. It causes us to reform. And what happens is that we come into community, if you're anything like me, and it really becomes inconvenient. It really does, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden, the things which I want and all that, I need to actually lay some things down for the benefit of other people. If you've had children, you know this, don't you? Who's got young children? When's the last time you slept until like 11 o'clock or midday or something like that? Right? Right now, a sleep-in is 6 o'clock in the morning for us. That's a sleep-in. But you lay that stuff down for your kids, don't you? There are things that happen that actually make life a little bit more inconvenient. You know, we set up in our house this great idea, which I thought we've got a kid's room and then we've got our room. Fantastic. In the kid's room, they actually have a TV. Whenever we let them, they can watch TV and they've got their toys and all that. And then we've got our room. It's our lounge. And like I was saying to Andrew, let's set this up so we've got like this sanctuary. This is going to be good. And this worked really well until um, Kayla started crawling. Right? Now, if you come to our house... We've tried to clean up a little bit now, like yesterday, but, but, but you come to our house, you walk into our sanctuary, it is full of Legos and blocks and dolls and coloring in books and all that. And all this, it's really inconvenient. And what can happen is that we can start complaining and despising the inconvenience, not knowing that the inconvenience is there because that's the way God created us to live. We are made in the image of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are sacrificially giving and loving each other for all of eternity. This paradigm has existed for all mankind, but for all time. But we are, we've got this sinful nature, which is a selfish nature. That's what sinful nature is. It becomes all about me. It's like twisted in and turned in. And all of a sudden, it's all about me, 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 me. What about getting married? Isn't that fantastic? Right? There are some inconveniences when it comes to being married, isn't it? 
right? I meet these young guys all the time, and I think, you got, you, 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 you just dumb. Because for some reason, he thinks he can live this way, like the same way he used to live before he like, said, I do. It's like, you're crazy, man. You can't just go out and, and go hang out. You need to actually inform your wife before you can go and do that stuff. And he's thinking, no, man, I'm the man of the house. You ain't the man of the house. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, right? There's an expectation. It's inconvenient, isn't it? <laughs> Inconvenience. And people are different, aren't they? You know, it's, it's a lot easier to get on with someone who's like you. But what do you do when you get an introvert and an extrovert together? It's like, oh, my goodness. Men and women were different. What about like, baby boomers? Any baby boomers? What do, you, what do you think of the millennials right now? Like, you're looking at them and saying, what planet have you guys come from? We actually have people who support Collingwood as well. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Unbelievable. But we have differences, don't we? And you know what? People are different, not for the sake of being different. People are different because every single person, every single person, this is how big God is, every single person expresses something different about God. For the rest of eternity, Scripture says that we will not be able to fathom how big He is. And yet God has thought, this is going to be great. Let's put them all together. Because even though it's going to be inconvenient for them, it is going to shape and it is going to mold them. And there are going to be some sparks that fly. But, but as they are together, they're made in our image. They're made in, there's something that's so unique. There's something that's so special about actually being together. We're made in the image of God. But sometimes we can despise the notion, the idea of community, can't we? <laughs> but this is the way we are created to be. You know, Jesus is walking... The, the roads, the shores of Galilee, and he calls his disciples. He calls 12 of them. And you know what? He calls them for a whole lot of different things. But you know one big thing he does call them for? He calls them into a community. They are living together for years. They are doing life together for years. They are sparks that are flying for years. Could you imagine having a loudmouth named um, Peter over there? Could you imagine having the sons of thunder over there? Could you, could you imagine all of these just differently shaped people attacked like Matthew over there? Like all of these guys are just one little grouping. They're doing life together for years and years and years and years. Could you imagine there'd be a little bit of inconvenience that happened there? Yet that's the way we're created. And when we aren't in community, we get twisted. When we go off and we do life by ourselves, we go off course a bit. There are times in my life where I'm going to need someone to actually come up to me and say, Dave, man, I love you, but far out right now. I reckon you're probably a couple of degrees off. How about we come back? How about we come back? There are things when it happens. Psalm 1, verse 1, the beginning of our prayer book says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. You know, community shapes how we walk, but wisdom instructs us where to walk. I'm going to say that again. Community shapes how we walk. Birds of a feather really do flock together. Wisdom will instruct us where to walk. If there is a desire inside of your heart or in my heart to pursue God, 
to walk righteously, to, 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 to please God, to walk in a way that, that we're going to be blessed. Well, I need to look around and say, well, where are some people who are walking in that direction? Because I want to walk where they're walking. Now, if I have in my heart where I just want to stuff my life up, absolutely, you know, I just want to self-destruct, I want to sabotage absolutely everything, I want to sabotage my family, my marriage and all that, I just find people who are walking in that direction and I start walking where they're walking and guess what, I'm going to be led down that way. You see, community will shape how we walk, but wisdom will instruct us where to walk, where you're walking. Gru's walking in this direction. All of a sudden, his community surrounds him, and he finds that he's got a bit of a smile on his face. There's been a bit of a shift in his heart. You fast forward this movie, and he's making pancakes with the girls instead of going down and devising evil plans with his minions. There is a, sh- there is a shift. Something has happened because of where he is walking now. And exactly the same happens in your life and my life. It changes where we walk. Hebrews 10 says that we are to spur each other on, doesn't it? In good deeds. Not forsaking the gathering of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Hebrews 10.24. You know what happens when you get in a habit of not gathering together? You start to walk off guilt. That's why we want to be part of the, the, the community. That's why we say, be part of the family. It's not because, you know what, Dave's like, oh, he just wants lots of numbers. And ch- I really don't care about numbers. I'm happy to preach to two people. That's fine. But I do know, by personal experience and by being a pastor for almost 20 years, is that when we neglect doing some things, when we actually get a little bit confused about where we're going to walk, how we walk changes. And it goes the other way around. If you find yourself, and it's like the how is a little bit like out of kilter at the moment, the best thing you could possibly do is to, with wisdom, determine where to walk. Where to walk. Where to walk. Where to walk. And you know what? As we determine where we walk, our how changes. It does. It's brilliant. Isn't that encouraging? It's good to know, isn't it? It's great to know. So that's the second thing. Third clip before we end. Now, this is a really great one, really powerful one. So why don't we watch this? I'm going to... Last point, which pertains to our life. It's a biblical um, foundational thing. When it pertains to community relationships, it's simply this. It's called the real story. The real story. The real story. Have you ever noticed how the stories of when people have been traveling together, how they come together and things actually get magnified and lifted up. I mentioned earlier this week on Tuesday, we have Anzac Day. And in different forums and different arenas, you know, even in the AFL, you know, there are different stories that are coming together of experiences and outcomes and and they come together, and one story is powerful enough, but when you start getting thousands of stories coming together, it actually magnifies things and makes things bigger. Psalm 34.3 says, Glorify the Lord with me, let us exalt his name together, let us magnify his name together. When Christian community comes together, when we are real and authentic, when we come to the place where we can articulate and we can tell and we can retell stories, God's name gets lifted up. The name of Jesus gets brighter. It gets bigger. 
it gets more profound. There's something that happens. How in the world does someone know that you're a Christian? Simple. You have a story. You have a story. You have a testimony. There's something that, 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 that about that. Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 says this. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. This idea of testimony, this idea of a story that we are to tell and we are to retell, that are we to be so generous that we share with one another. But here's the deal when it comes to stories. How brave and how courageous are we to actually give the unedited version? Christians love giving edited versions. It's almost like we got all the scenes and all that, and we're in front of the computer, and we can just, just cut, and we can clip, and we can put together and say, oh, this is the story over there. And you, you can say, you know what, man? One day I was sick, but now I'm well. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you just move on from there. But wait a minute. That's the edited side. What about the unedited side? Did you have any doubt? Were you scared? Were you crying? Did it hurt? No, praise God, hallelujah. That's not a testimony. That's edited. And what happens, this is what happens. This is why community is so powerful. This is what happens. That, that, that if we are courageous enough to give the unedited story, we don't cheat people. Because I guarantee you there'll be someone in your life who is just desperate to hear Okay, I'm in this situation right now. Can you give me some hope? And if we can actually at that moment, at that time, give an unedited version of our encounter with Jesus, how we walked with the Lord, how he got us out of the valley, how he removed the mountain, how he slayed that giant in front of us, and, and with every single emotion and everything that went with it, it'll give them hope and it'll give them courage and it'll let them know, my goodness, God, if you did it for him, I know you can do it for me. The unedited version. The unedited version. We had Richard and Lynn in our connect group last time. We were there, and, and it was just sharing about stuff and the courage that Lynn had to actually give an unedited version to someone else and the change and transformation they had. Powerful things happen when we actually take the Christian mask off and people look at us and say, oh, you're just like normal like us. Yeah, hello. But there's something remarkable that happens when we are actually courageous enough to give unedited versions of how we're walking with the Lord. And there are times, I guarantee you, there are times when you'll be shaken in your boots. But deep down, you'll know there's something inside of you that'll say, you know what, God's going to get me through this. I know God still loves me. Even though my behavior may look a little bit like twisted at the moment, that does not take away from the fact that I am a blood-bought child of the Most High God. And He's gonna, never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. And He loves me. And His love is, has said, it actually pursues me. It overwhelms me. It takes over me. His love is so great for me. That does not change. And sometimes I need um, someone in my life to come up and say, Dave, I know what you're going through right now. Let me tell you about my story. And I've got courage. Got courage. Got courage. Got courage. I heard someone say yesterday, he was preaching, he said, you know what, I reckon we should always um, listen to our elders. Not because they've always get things right, but because they made a lot of wrongs. <laughs> they made a lot of mistakes. And we can actually learn from that, can't we? 
How willing are we to actually share, you know, I've stuffed this one up and I stuffed that one up. I got that one okay. But something happens when we share our story, the real story. And the only context that we can actually share our real story is the context of community. The context of community. I love it, that scene at the end of that movie because you see the completion. You see where Gru started and you see where he ended. You see this guy who's so selfish and so self-centered. And at the end, I don't know how long it would have taken him to kiss all of those hundreds of minions. Like seriously, especially the cheeky ones that came back for another. But you see that there is a transformation that happens. And the transformation happens in the context of community. He was this certain person when he was off by himself. But somehow, community found him and his heart was changed. His life was changed. The way he walked changed because where he was walking had now changed. And we as the church of Jesus Christ, personally, there is something on each and every one of us to actually make the effort to ensure that I am walking in the right place, that I am walking with those who are following God. I am walking with those who are going to be able to tell me the unedited version. I'm walking with those who love me, who care for me, who are going to spur me on. I don't want to be walking with those who are going to be dragging me down. And you know what? We're in this amazing, amazing, privileged position where we literally have the world coming to us. And as the world comes to us, we can provide a community where they can belong, where they can be loved, where they can meet Jesus, where they can hear our real unedited stories, and they too will glorify, they will praise our God, and they too, the way they walk will be changed. It will be shaped differently. And some of the twists in life will be straightened out. And it comes down to community. So here's the challenge. How are you doing with that? Like I said at the beginning, part of my job is to give us our Brussels sprouts, you know, albeit in a different way today, but how are we doing with that? Is there, is there something in your life where you need to step out, to reach out, and to belong somewhere? Would you say to yourself, you know what, Dave? Man, I'm just sick of doing life by myself. I'm sick of being lonely. I'm sick of, you know, traveling with the wrong crowd. And today I need to make a decision that I'm going to use wisdom to instruct me where to walk. And I guarantee you, in accordance with Scripture, if you make that decision, your life's going to change. And um, you know what? In a year's time, when you're a different version of yourself, you look back and you say, I'm so grateful, I'm so glad that God spoke to me on that Sunday. I'm so glad that I took the initiative. I'm so glad that I stepped out of my comfort zone. I'm so glad that I celebrated and I embraced inconvenience to be part of genuine, loving, unedited Christian community because my life has not been the same since. How about we pray?